Luke chapter number four. All right, let me see why you find your place. What a, ble- what a wonderful Sunday, beautiful Sunday to be in the house of God. Hope you're enjoying yourself. I've enjoyed the service so far, enjoyed the fellowship. And now we're going to get into the Word of God. Thank you so much for last month's pastor appreciation for Brian and myself. We appreciate you. What a blessing it is to have a wonderful church family. Somebody say amen. I think we ought to have a church family and a church home. and We, we ought to be close, amen. We ought to be supporting one another and encouraging one another. So thank you for your encouragement of us. I want to thank Brother Brian personally and publicly for filling in for me. I, I was on a slab. I tell you what, I was as sick as I've ever been. But I thank God that I'm back in the pulpit today. And we're going to study something this morning that I don't know why the Lord gave this to me. But he told me two weeks ago to preach on rejection. And I'm like, rejection? I, I, I'm not even sure how to preach on that. And I began to study and I began to understand that it was a much needed message. So let's look to the Word of God and to the Lord for a few minutes and think about this thought, rejection. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for the day. Thank you for bringing us together one more time this side of heaven to enjoy our Christian friends and our family, to enjoy your fellowship, to gather around your word. I pray this morning you'd speak to our hearts as only you can. I pray you'd speak to that one that's lost, speak to that one that's near hell, speak to that one that's backslidden, speak to that one that needs encouragement this morning, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I preach a message on rejection, I cannot help but give us an introduction about acceptance. We as human beings want to be accepted. We want to feel like we fit in. Is everybody with me? I mean, we just feel like that. You say, well, preacher, that's of the devil to try to want to fit in. No, that's of God. God made us social creatures. The human dynamic that God created in us is not of the devil, it is God. God has designed us from the Garden of Eden to need someone else. The first thing that was not good in the Garden of Eden was that Adam was alone. Adam needed support. Adam needed a helpmeet. Adam needed a wife. Adam needed encouragement. Adam needed acceptance. That was part of his human dynamic created by God, and when God created Eve and placed her in the garden with him, it fulfilled his desire. And so we find that as life goes on and as his DNA is passed on to us, we desire to be accepted. From the onset of our life, we want to be accepted, even in the beginning of life, by our parents. We need the approval and the acceptance of our parents. If you grew up in a home where your parents rejected you, disapproved of you, friend, that can warp your personality. Amen. I remember wanting the approval of my dad so bad I was playing peanut football in the sixth or seventh grade, and it was the best run of my little career. And I mean, man, I, I ran around the corner. I was throwing off offenders. They were had the ball, and I was headed for the end zone. And at the end of the game, the coach came running up to me, grabbed me up in his arms, and said, that's the best run I've seen all year. And going home, I said, Dad, did you see my run? He said, No, I must have been talking to some of my railroad friends. 
I'm going to tell you something. That melted me. I wanted the approval of my father. It meant more than the approval of my coach. Are you all with me? It meant so much to me to feel accepted and approved of my father. Being dejected or left out or shunned can leave us in depression. But here's what I want to say. Before we look at rejection in the Bible, let me give you some things as I begin to study this. There is an American epidemic of approval addiction. Let that sink in. There is an American epidemic of approval addiction. We want the approval of someone else so much that we'll stop being ourselves to match their expectations. Let me read you what a psychiatrist wrote. One counselor said this, in my experience as a counselor for over 40 years, I have found that approval addiction is far more prevalent than any substance addiction. Wow. Let me go on. We live in an approval-addicted society. And I'd never given this any thought until the Lord said, here's the word I want you to preach on. And that's all he gave me was a word, and he left the work rest up to me to study it out. But listen, I'll have to agree with the Lord. I'll have to agree with the psychologist. We are trying to meet the standards of someone else so much that our pulpits have gone soft. Our preachers want the approval of their congregation. Let me tell you what matters most is what God approves of. It's what the Lord wants. It's what the Lord says. Why would I live my life for society when society is going to pass away? Why would I live my life for what the liberal news media thinks or the liberal Hollywood thinks or the liberal society thinks? Why would I, why would I live my life to meet their approval when I'm going to stand before God? Approval addiction. <laughs> wow. Let's turn to the book of Luke chapter 4 and see here. Reading at verse, begin reading at verse 16. How did Jesus, I have to ask the first question, how did Jesus handle rejection? How did he handle approval? And we're going to find both of these in this verse of Scripture. This is a wonderful verse of Scripture, some verses to study. We're going to begin reading in verse number 16. The Bible says, and he, that is Jesus, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now he goes to this scripture specifically. And it comes from Isaiah 61.1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue, were fastened on him. And he began to say, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. Watch where it turns right here. And they said, 
Is not this Joseph's son? And he saith unto him, something happened right there. And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias when heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, and a woman that was a widow. Many lepers were in Israel at the time of Elias, the prophet, and none of them were cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. We just went from approval to rejection in, in just a few verses. I'll explain it in just a minute. And they in the synagogue, verse 28, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill whereon their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. Wow. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. What a strange story in the Bible and how the events here take such a turn of event. The, the first thing I want you to see is that Jesus, we know Jesus as Jesus of Nazareth. That was his hometown. He was Jesus of Nazareth. So he comes back to his hometown, his headquarters after he became an adult, he put his headquarters in Capernaum. So Jesus leaves Capernaum, he comes back to his hometown of Nazareth, and you might say here that Jesus goes back to his home church, as his custom was, and he begins to stand up and read the word of God. He chooses a passage out of Isaiah, chapter number 61 and verse number 1, and it is a wonderful verses of scripture. And he basically preaches a five-point message and says, this scripture is about me. Can I tell you something? All scripture is about Jesus. And he affirms that this scripture is about him. Watch his five-point message. The Spirit is on me to preach to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, deliverance to the captives, opening of the prisons to them that are bound. All those are really nice points of a message. Matter of fact, that would make a real gracious message for today. Great points. And as he's preaching those nice points, he says, I'm the one that this is about. And that's when they turned on him. That's when they rejected him. They said, wait a minute. This is Joseph's son. Now, I got news for you. This was God's son. And you know what? When they rejected him and said, this is not, well, this can't be, this can't be the Messiah. Well, we've watched him grow up. We've seen him play in the streets. Well, this is his home church where, he, where we've seen him read these scriptures before. We can't accept that. We're going to reject that. And I want you to notice how the gracious message in verse 22 turns to be a stinging message. And can I tell you this before I move on? You can preach all the gracious messages you want. 
You can bat your eyeballs and talk about grace and the positive and the negative things, and you can fill stadiums of people, but if you preach Jesus, you're going to be by yourself practically. And that's exactly what's going on here. As long as this five-point message was going great, they were all fine, and they wondered. The Bible says they wondered at the gracious words that he spoke. But when he said, this is about me, they lost it. They rejected him. Let me tell you something about Jesus. The one thing that Jesus would not put up with is a rejection of his deity. And today, the one thing that Jesus will not put up with is a rejection of his deity. If you don't believe that he's the Son of God, you're rejecting his deity. If you don't believe he was sent from heaven, you're rejecting his deity. If you don't believe that he's the Messiah, the Savior of the world, you cannot be saved. He cannot handle that rejection. Are you with me? And so in verse 22... They turn on him when he said, this day are these verses of scripture fulfilled in your ears. In one verse, we're going to read it, in verse 22, he goes from reception to rejection. Now wait just a minute, before we read it, let me just say this. In one day, in one verse, in one small portion of time, you can go from being accepted to rejected. You can, be, you can go from being received to rejected. And as we begin the message telling us that we all want approval so much that there is in America an approval addiction, when we're rejected, it tears us all to pieces. Somebody say amen. And I want to see how Jesus handled this. So they degraded him from the office of a prophet. They said, this is not a prophet. This is not a priest. He's never studied. He's not been to Bible college. He's not gone down to the Jerusalem seminary. Well, he's just a wannabe. <laughs> boy, oh boy. But in verse 24, look at that. He says this, I say unto you verily that no prophet is accepted in his own country. The first way that Jesus handled rejection was he would not deny himself. He did not change himself to blend in with their opinion. I'm going to tell you something, Christian. When you'll stop changing yourself and your principles and your biblical beliefs, when you'll stop changing those to match the world, you're beginning to mature as a Christian. And that's exactly what Jesus did here. He said, I'm not changing. I'm still a prophet. I'm still the priest. I'm still the king. I'm still the son of God. I will not change my status for your opinion. I say praise God for a man like that. And so he calls himself a prophet. And then I want you to watch how the preaching here, he begins to preach. He opened up the Bible to Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, for the Lord has sent himself to sent me to preach good tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty the captives and them that are bound. Boy, he began, oh, oh that's what a gracious message and what gracious words. And then they said, wait a minute, you're just the Joseph. You're just the son of Joseph. You're just the carpenter. And he said, let me tell you something. He said, you better think about this because he said back in the days of Elijah, Elijah was rejected. 
Elijah couldn't live in society. Elijah couldn't walk like other prophets walked. Elijah was rejected. And he said there was a widow and there was a famine in the land. And instead of God sending Elijah to some widow in Israel, he sent Elijah to a Gentile. Now that hurt their feelings. It would be like me saying, hey, America, you've been rejected and God's sending his prophets to China. It hurt their feelings. Then he not only, the message not only turned sour there, the message that he had for them turned sour in the second point. He said, let me remind you of something else. There were a lot of lepers in Israel in the days of Elisha. But your society and your people and your nation rejected the word of God, rejected the man of God, and Elisha's out there living on his own, and guess who got healed? With all these lepers in Israel, you know who got healed? A Syrian. That won't even preach today. Because Syrian, Syria is still at odds with Israel. Now, wait a minute. They perceive that his message is not as gracious as it was at the beginning. They perceive that he's shooting this at them. Wait a minute. He's telling us that if we reject him, it's the same as Elijah and Elisha being rejected. Yeah, you got it. And then they got angry. And the Bible says they got so angry that they grabbed the Lord Jesus Christ and was leading him out to the brow of the hill or the cliff on which Nazareth was built, and they intended to throw him off a cliff. Now, wait a minute. Six verses ago, they wondered at his gracious words, and now they're ready to throw him off a cliff. Can I tell you something? People haven't changed. <laughs> People are fickle. Their opinion, public opinion, can be swayed. Oh, PR, this public relations, that oh, this political correctness, all these things can be swayed. People's opinion. Let me tell you something. We ought to be led by the truth, the facts, logic, and reason, and the Word of God. Amen. Society should not form who we are. Our friends should not form who we are. Public opinion should not form who we are. I'm going to stand on thus saith the word of God, and I don't care what the world says, amen. I'm grateful that the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Bible says that as they led him, and I don't know what happened here. I've read this and thought about this so much. They led him out to throw him off of the cliff, and the Bible says, read it with me, somewhere he passed, was the last verse of scripture that we read, uh, verse 30, but he passing through the midst of them went his way. I don't know how he did that. I don't know if he was like the football player I was talking about a minute ago, if he just turned around and boom, right through the middle like some kind of a fullback with a, with a ball. Oh, I don't know if he used the power of God, but here's what I know. Here was a mob about to throw him off a cliff, and he just went right through the middle of them. You know what I get from that? When the world rejects you for your beliefs, for your principles, for what you stand on, and the world rejects you to the point they're ready to throw you under the bus or off the cliff, just move on with life. 
Don't stand there and wallow in your own tears and say, oh, I wanted the approval. I'm addicted to approval. Oh, I wanted to fit in. Uh, I wanted them to think well of me. Hey, let me tell you something. If, if the people's opinion are formed of my fundamental principles of the word of God, if you're offended at that, move on, friend. I'm not changing. Amen. I'm going to stand on the word of God. And so Jesus just moves on with life. Now, let's start looking at rejection. We've looked at the word of God. Now, let me give you some points. Rejection can rob you of peace. Being rejected can give Satan a foothold into your heart and say, well, if they don't like you down there at the church, if they don't like you down there on the job, if they don't like you over here, then God doesn't love you either. The worst kind of rejection and dejection that you can feel is to feel unloved of God himself. The One of the devil's main tricks and his main deception is to tell you that God doesn't love you and God won't accept you. Let me tell you as a gospel preacher that God does love you. That God will accept you. That God will. I don't care if the world doesn't love you. I don't care if society doesn't love you. I don't care if your family doesn't love you. I don't care what's going on in your life. The Lord Jesus Christ says, come unto me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. If that's not acceptance, I don't know what is. If God is not standing with his arms wide open saying, come unto me, there's something wrong with my Bible. I tell you, God wants to make you fit into his word, into his family, and listen, he'll make you fit into eternity, praise God. He'll fit you, amen. So the root cause of the feelings of rejection is this, that somebody else devalued us. Somebody else turned us down. Somebody else turned us away. They didn't recognize us for our real worth. They didn't recognize us for our accomplishments. And then we begin to feel a spirit of envy as we compare ourselves with somebody else. Well, why did they get the job and I didn't? Why did they get the interview and I didn't? Why did they get the promotion and I? Why did I get rejected and they got accepted? And we begin to get envious. Is everybody with me? I'm drilling down into the human heart this morning to let us know that this thing of being approved or rejected really affects our life. Feeling the spirit of envy, feeling that you weren't given a fair chance to be rejected makes you feel incompetent. To be rejected makes you lose your confidence. To be rejected and, and feel like you weren't recognized for your accomplishments makes you feel like you weren't given a fair chance in life. But let me just remind you, dear friend, that rejection is part of life. You cannot, you cannot be accepted in every circle of life. You cannot be popular. Young people, listen to me. You cannot be popular in every circle of life. And if you take a stand on the word of God, you really narrow yourself down to places where you can feel accepted. That's why the house of God is important for the Christian. Because when you come in here with your belief system, with your faith, with your morals, with your standards, you find a place that you really fit in. Amen. 
and somehow you don't fit, fit in with the world, you don't, but you fit in in the house of God, and it makes you sort of feel normal to get in the house of God. Amen. And so that's why we love to assemble. That's why God tells us to assemble. So the, the root cause of feeling rejected is that someone turned us away. People get in trouble because they have that approval addiction and they cannot handle the rejection of their peers so they go along with the crowd just to feel accepted. Young people get in trouble because they go along with the crowd just because they don't want to feel rejected. Amen. Maybe you didn't get accepted to that college. Maybe you didn't get accepted for that job or passed over for that promotion. What else causes rejection? I want to pour this in our heads. When you speak truth and somebody does not believe you, that's the worst kind of rejection. I mean, there are some people that if I stood flat-footed and told them the truth, they wouldn't believe it. And if some, if some deceiver came along, they'd swallow every word. That makes me feel rejected. They repudiate me in attempt to discredit me. Now, here's what I want to say. I think that's why you and I don't witness to people more. We're afraid that if we tell somebody about Jesus, take a stand on being a Christian, invite them to church, that they're going to reject us. We're not going to be approved. And we're so addicted to approval that we won't even be a gospel witness. Let that sink in now. I'm plowing deep this morning. I understand that. But listen, that's exactly where most people are. You can't handle it. And somebody says, no, you're radical. I don't want to go down there. I've heard your preacher. He's one of them old, fundamental, conservative preachers. Why, well, man, we've moved on from that. Let me tell you something. I've not moved on from it, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to move on to, from it to get the approval of the church world. Amen. Amen. So, why would I feel discredited? You know what? Those feelings are not new. Isaiah said this. It was in Isaiah chapter, I don't forgot what chapter it was. I think it was 53. He said, Lord, who hath believed our report? Lord, I'm out here. I'm preaching. I'm living right. You're giving me prophecies. They're coming true. You've, you've poured your spirit out on me. I'm giving it out. But who's believed it? Lord, who's, who hath believed our report? And to whom of the arm of the Lord is revealed? Jesus basically is saying this to New Testament Christians. Don't worry about it when they reject you. They rejected me first. He said it like this in John 15, 18. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Can I just say this? Hatred is the worst part of rejection. Just like the person who turns you down for a date or the people who wouldn't accept you into their group. You know what we do? When we're not accepted by others, we begin to scrutinize ourselves. 
Well, she turned me down for a date. I wonder, maybe I'm not handsome enough. I began to scrutinize myself. Maybe I'm not in her league. She's a pretty classy lady. Maybe I'm not in her league. Ever had that happen to you? Y'all not even smiling. Now, to be honest with you, I have. Man, I tried to date this girl. I don't know why I'm even going here. I tried to date this girl in school. She was smart. She was pretty. But she couldn't stand the ground I walked on. Hey, rejection. Hey, got news for you. I wound up with one just as smart and pretty as she was anyway. Praise God. Amen. Hey, it's hard to handle that. But Jesus said, if the world hates you, it hated me before it hated you. Don't go, don't go home when you get rejected by somebody or some group of people and over-scrutinize yourself. God may be closing that door on purpose. God may be letting you understand that he's keeping you out of trouble. He's killing our pride. Amen. Sometimes the Lord lets us get rejected to kill our pride because here's how we are. We're, we're approval addicted. We want to be the popular. We want to be, you know, uh, everybody patting us on the back. We want to feel encouraged. Amen. Hey, it's human nature, remember? Who made us like that? God did. But listen, there are times when we have to stand on what we believe and who we are and be our own person and believe in our own doctrine and have our own faith and we have to stand there no matter what the world says. Amen. Sometimes rejection is a way we can see things we need to work on too. Amen. Let me say it like this and i got to close. Don't let your appraisal of life be caught up in the opinion of others. Don't let your appraisal of life be caught up in the opinion of others. Noah preached for 120 years and he had no converts. And I can just hear the crowd saying, oh, that old Noah, well, he believes that prophecy. Noah, he, why, he's a prepper, radical in his beliefs. Why, Noah, yeah, they thought that of him until it started to rain. Why, look at Joseph hated of his brothers because God gave him a prophecy that the sun and the moon and the 11 stars would bow down before him and they interpreted that as, well, you mean your mother and your father and us 11 boys are going to bow down before you? Yeah, that's what's going to happen. It was a true prophecy. Why, Joseph, we don't want anything to do with you. You're some radical Bible believer. You think you're better than everybody else. No, Joseph had God on him, but he was rejected. David received absolutely no credit with his family, with his supervisors, no recognition in society until he took a little rock and the giant fell. Jeremiah and the Old Testament prophets suffered. Listen to what the Bible says. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, sawn asunder, tempted, slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. I'm in Hebrews 11. And they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. 
All these, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Now, everything I just read to you, they didn't get all these prophets, all these godly people, all these people in the chapter 11 hall of fame of faith. They didn't receive credit on earth. They didn't receive a good report on earth while they walked in dens and caves and wore sheepskins. Look at John the Baptist. But yet, they, the Bible says they had a good report of faith. Now, you've got to make up your mind this morning. Where do you want a good report from? Do you want it from the world or do you want it from God? Amen. Do you want it from society or do you want the Holy Spirit, the blessing of God, to be upon your life? Amen. How do I handle rejection, preacher? I've got to give you this quickly. It may take a whole other message to do it. How do I handle it? Number one, you've got to go to the Lord Jesus Christ. If anybody knows how to handle rejection, he does. Judas betrayed him. The disciples ran off because if they associated with him, it would be guilt by association. Boy, don't you know that made him feel great? The Pharisees hated him. The religious world hated him. Everybody rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. He knows how it feels to be rejected. You know he's being rejected even today. Turn on your TV. See how much the news media glorifies God. Turn on the talk show and see if they would accept the witness of a gospel preacher. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ was not just rejected when he walked on earth. He's being rejected today. He knows exactly what it feels like. Number two, declare your identity in Jesus Christ. Don't let this world tell you you're not a Christian. Don't let this world tell you God doesn't love you. Don't let this world imply that because of this fault and that fault and because you don't fit in that God doesn't love you. Jesus declared himself a prophet. Let me tell you something. If you've trusted him, believed on him, you're a child of God. Declare yourself to be a child of God. Amen. Number three, stay in the word of God and be consistent. Number four, that's... Consistency is the victory. Write that down in the front of your Bible. Consistency is the victory. Say that with me. Consistency is the victory. Stay in the Word of God. Stay in the house of God. Stay with people who love God. That's how you beat addiction. That's how you beat approval addiction. That's how you beat alcohol addiction. That's how you beat drug addiction. Consistency is the victory. Amen. Number six, fill your mind with who he says you are. And number seven, thank God for all he has done. Oh, listen, I got up this morning and that first thing on my lips was praise and thanksgiving. And we enter into the Thanksgiving season. I want to be thankful. I looked out the window of the parsonage and I saw this beautiful area right here, Gross's Creek. And I said, Lord, we live in the best country on the face of planet Earth. Not only do we live in the best country, we live right here in Smith County. And there ain't a better county in this world. Listen, church, I'm looking at a people 
God has given you the best of the best. He's given you a good church, a good church family, right doctrine. Look outside. I mean, you can still see through these blinds. What a beautiful, beautiful day. What a beautiful... Hey, one of the ways to get over rejection is to know that you're accepted by God and you know the God of this universe and you're going to be grateful to Him. And when we're grateful to Him, we don't care about the opinion of anyone else. Praise God. Let's leave here with praise. Amen. Thank God for all He's done. Let me say this before I go. Jesus Christ. Let me say this in closing. I don't know why the Lord, this was a strange way the Lord gave me a message. Maybe a strange way I've preached it. I don't know. I just did what I thought was right. But every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe somewhere in this building there's a young person. And young person, you, you don't feel like you fit in at home. You don't feel like you fit in at school. You don't feel like you fit in at church. You're having trouble finding a place where you can feel accepted. So many young people are like that today and they begin to search for acceptance and I'm going to tell you something. Alcohol will accept you if you want a habit. Drugs will accept you if you want a habit. A motorcycle gang or some thug gang will accept you if you want in that. But I'm going to tell you where to feel accepted. The Bible says to be accepted in the beloved. Who are the beloved? Those who are saved by the grace of God. Here's the offer this morning. If you feel dejected and rejected, I want you to come to Jesus. He said, listen to me. Oh, let this sink in. I want to preach a whole other message here. He said, he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Oh, my goodness. You mean, Lord, that if nobody else loves me, you will? Yes. Lord, if nobody else accepts me, that you will accept me? Yes. Lord, if I feel so depressed and discouraged because of the way life is going, that you'll open your arms in love and receive me? And the answer is yes. Yes. I want you to come right now. If that's in your heart, I'm inviting you to Jesus Christ. He says, I'll in no wise cast you out. Maybe there's someone this morning that needs to be saved and you need to get right with God. Right now's the time. Maybe there's someone here this morning and you've been hurt in church. I don't know everybody's heart. You feel like you were left out, neglected, uninvited, not part of the proceedings. Let me tell you something. Don't let the church hurt you because Jesus will never hurt you. Jesus will never leave you out. He'll never forsake you. He'll never look at you and say, no, you don't meet my standards. This is an exclusive place. You can't come. No, let me tell you what he'll say. He'll say, come on, son. I'll take you in. 
I'll receive you. I'll wash you of your sin. I'm going to ask you to come right now. If you need Christ, come. He's waiting on you. He's inviting you. He wants to save you. We wait just a moment. I don't hold long invitations. Would you come? Come to Christ. And then church, look this way. Say this to the church family and to those of you who are saved. It matters what God thinks, not what man thinks. It matters what heaven approves of, not what man approves of. Let's live, let's put our priority where it's supposed to be. Somebody say amen. And live for God. This thing's just about over and we'll all be home. You know what's like home is? Home's where we can be accepted. Home's where we feel normal. Home's where Jesus is. Home's where righteousness dwells. Home's where the doctrine is still pure. Thank God we're headed home.